Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Somebody said, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. His kingdom comes, and I want to talk to you about mind his business. Not mind your business. Somebody might have told you that before. Mind your business. But uh, mind his business. What is your kingdom calling? Your kingdom calling. Well, Samantha got her first job. It was a big responsibility. She worked for Mr. Clark now at the corner store after school every day in her little town. He was a nice old man. He'd given his whole life to this store. And after a few weeks on the job, Samantha had learned the process of opening the register and closing the shop and more. So one day, Samantha came to work and planned to ask Mr. Clark if she could get off early to go to the school dance in time. But before she could get things out of her mouth, Mr. Clark came up to Samantha and said, Hey, I've got to run an errand real quick. Tomorrow is my uh, 50th anniversary with my wife, and I've got to pick up her gift. And if I'm not back in time, uh, would you please close the shop? Because I know you know how to do that. I might not return in time, he told her. So after Mr. Clark left, though, some of Samantha's friends, they stopped by the store on the way to get ready to the dance. And she said, well, I probably won't be able to make it, unfortunately. And they said, well, just close the shop early. What's the harm in that? Nobody will know. It's not very busy anyway. Probably Mr. Clark would let you do that if you'd asked him. And uh, so her friends leave. There she sat, conflicted, troubled in her mind. Man, she really wanted to go to that dance and not miss out on all the fun with her friends. Would Mr. Clark even really mind if she had left the store early and closed early? Or should she stay until close? Because what if Mr. Clark came back earlier than expected? You know, Samantha was entrusted with a job. It was Mr. Clark's livelihood. That was, she was entrusted to him. He had worked all his life to build up this store, and it was given over to her charge. And if she had closed early, she risked missing any profit that Mr. Clark might have. Not only that, but she would risk damaging the trust that Mr. Clark had given to her. You know that every single one of us has been given authority to mind the business of God while Jesus is away. You know, integrity and responsibility matter, not just in our own daily life. And some of you are like, she should stay early, you know, or she should stay late. Uh, we're all, you know, kind of, we know what we think we should do, but every day we make a decision. How do I mind the business of God? How do I handle my kingdom calling? What do I do? You know, every follower of Jesus has a kingdom calling. The Bible says that Christ entrusts each of us with his business. The Bible says that God wanted to give his son a kingdom. So he sent his son to earth to live a life, to die a death, to be raised again. And the Bible says he went away to gain the kingdom and then come back again. And while he was away, he left his servants in charge to be stewards and faithful stewards of what he had left them. Paul says that when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, Ephesians 4, 8. Paul says he, he, each one of us was given a gift according to the measure of Christ. And he left many gifts of grace on the earth while he went to go get this kingdom for himself. And the Bible says one day, though, like Mr. Clark, he's going to come back at an hour unexpected. And each person is going to give an account. What did you do with God's kingdom? How did you mind the business? 
What's your kingdom calling? Somebody say amen. amen. We want to be good stewards of God's grace. The problem is, at times, like Samantha, we have other things we want to do more than mind God's business. We all want to go to the dance. We all have got things that make us want to set aside some of those responsibilities while Jesus is away. Many Christians are, are willing to suffer God a loss to advance their own earthly agenda. Some wrongly believe that's even only pastors or missionaries or evangelists, or maybe it's those less busy church leaders that are responsible to keep these things going. Many Christians don't even know what gifts perhaps they've been given. Maybe they don't know what God has entrusted them, so they don't know the weight of the responsibility that's been placed in your lap that He's entrusted you with something so precious, so priceless, so valuable to Him. And He says, mind my business. Do your kingdom calling. I'm coming back soon. I went to go get a gift for my bride. That's you and me in that story every single day, every single week. We've got a great responsibility. You have a kingdom calling, and you are called to mind his business. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, mind his business. All right, there we go. Look with me in Matthew 25, verse 14. I want to tell you about using your talents, using your talents. As we preach this many times, but I'm reading in the New American Standard, so just hang with me. It's a little long. Matthew 25, verse 14, and it's on the screen. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his slaves and trusted. Somebody say entrusted. He entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Each according to his own ability. Note that. Each according to his own ability. He went on this journey. And immediately, somebody say immediately. Man, that's important. Immediately the one who had received five talents went and traded with him, gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came up and said, I've brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more talents. His master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who received two came up and said, Master, you entrusted with two talents. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him as well, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with but a few things. I'll put you charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who would received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid. So I went away, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered to him and said, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew that I reaped where I did not sow, where I gathered where I didn't scatter, scattered no seed. And you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have at least received money back with interest. So therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have with abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Now, I won't go into the sermon we just preached on hell, but you can fill in the gaps there. There's these two parables. One is called the parable of the ten minus. Minus was a value of money. Minus was about a hundred sheep. It's in Luke. And Jesus tells this same story in two different ways in both Gospels, in Luke and Matthew. Uh, and, and Luke's is very, very similar. The same principle is there. God gave gifts and talents to people, trusted them with them, and some did a prosper. Uh, they prospered. They were fruitful. And one was not. He went and hid it in a hand and he came back and he had to give an account. Just like this story here. You've got uh, talents. What's a talent? A talent, uh, it was a weight of measure. You'd have a talent of gold, a talent of silver. And Jesus doesn't say exactly what it is, but a talent uh, was worth something about, listen to me, 20 years of a laborer's salary. So if you're thinking today's economy, this could have been up to $600,000, one talent. Now, can you imagine the value? So, Jesus is making a point here. He left something extremely, extremely valuable to the guy with ten talents, to the guy with uh, five talents, two talents, and one talent. Even the one talent was six hundred, perhaps thousands of dollars, just in our economy today. So, he's not giving, oh, here's a little petty thing. He's saying, I left them something valuable. Twenty years of salary, I left this guy. The slaves had this great honor that the master left them his business. He wasn't treating them just as, par as slaves, but as partners. And he says he gave each servant according to their ability. To one he could entrust five, two, and one. And these servants took risks. They worked hard. They doubled the master's investment. Yet this one guy, he thought himself little. I'm not as good as those people. I don't have as much as them. And what if I lost everything? So he buries it. And he comes to the master, and he blames the master's character for his laziness. He blames the master's character for his own character flaws. And so that's why the master says, you are a wicked and lazy servant. And he says, bind him and throw him. And Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. This whole parable is a woe, not to unbelievers, but to believers, to people who were entrusted with the master's money, entrusted with the master's heart, entrusted with the master's kingdom. And he's saying to people, there are some that are going to be Christians in church pews. They are going to hear sermons. They're going to know the value value of what I gave them, but how they handled what I love, how they dealt with what I gave them, how they used their talent, how they used it, it's going to show me how much they really loved me. And he says, you true, by the way you've done this, you show that you never really loved me. You never really appreciated what I'd done for you. You never, you're proving to me, you never really got it. You claimed it, but you never really got it. And he says, now throw this so-called believer, this so-called servant, this so-called slave, throw this so-called churchgoer into hell where the lake never ends of fire, where the smoke of their torment rises forever. Throw them in the place with the devil and his angels where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth into outer darkness to be cast away from my presence for all eternity. Don't you know Jesus was likely telling this with tears in his eyes, telling people, I want you to understand the value that when I go to heaven, what I'm about to leave to my church, 
you must know the surpassing value of his greatness towards those who believe. That's what Paul said. He says, I want you to know the exceeding value, the riches of his inheritance that are set up with the saints, that you know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of his love, that together with all the saints you would be rooted and grounded in love to know the depth and the riches of your calling. He wants you to know what he's left you. And there is an integrity and responsibility for every single so-called Christian. What are you doing with what God has given you? Each one was given a reward according to their labor. Now look with me. Let's talk about three things real quick. Three questions I have from this. Number one is, what have you been given? That's faculty. The faculty. Uh, what have you been entrusted with? The ability, the, the, the things that God has given you. What has He given to you? Well, today we took the Greek word talent and we turned it into, we don't mean money. When I say He's talented, what do I mean? I mean He's got gifts. He's got abilities. He's got capabilities. Some things you were born with. Some of you are talented singers. Then you kind of took choir and you got better. There's abilities and capabilities. There's things that you're born with, but things that you worked out. Some of you um, were great from an early age of throwing that football, but because you went to football camp and you went to all these uh, things in the summer, you got better at it because you applied what your gift was. How many are with me? There are things God has deposited in you that you've got to apply it to get better at it, to increase in the ability of it. You've got to know God has given this, but I've got to apply and work out what He's given. Right? Are you with me? He says, what have you been given? Spurgeon said, the only thing that you have on your own is your sin. Before God, you've got nothing. There's nothing you have that you can take any credit for. The very breath in your lungs are given to you by God. The very beating of your heart was given to you by God. Everything you have is from God. So you have nothing but your own sin. That's what you have. But God, in His grace, sent His Son to die for you and pay your debt, take your cross, despise the shame for a joy set before Him. He took yours, and He gave you gifts. He gave you gifts. Let me tell you what those gifts are. Number one is... He gave you salvation. Amen. He gave you the unmerited, amazing grace. It is bought with the precious blood of His own Son. And there was a no surpassing, there's a surpassing value of His greatness. There's nothing you could ever do to earn that gift. It was yours by faith through grace. You have the gift of salvation. That's, I mean, how many of that's at least one talent? Come on. I mean, that's, that's, that's more than $600,000, right? He gave you something. If you don't have anything, you say, I can't do nothing, Pastor. You've got grace to be saved. You've got something God thought valuable enough to shed His own Son's blood for, and He gave it to you. You've got salvation. Number two is you've got the kingdom. This is something he left us, like the store, the general store that Mr. Clark left, Samantha. You've left you the kingdom. What's the kingdom, Pastor Heath? It's the rule, the reign, and the realm of Jesus. It's his people. The Bible says you've been called kingdom of priests. It's the place. It's a people. It's a place where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the place he's left you, a position in his blood. It's also the power 
Or He commissions you to go with authority to preach the good news. And He says, signs are going to follow people like this when they believe. Demons are going to be cast out. They're going to lay their hands on the sick. They'll speak with new tongues. They will pick up deadly things, drink deadly things, and nothing can harm them. My kingdom is an advancing kingdom. Somebody say, Amen. My kingdom will come against the gates of hell, and it will never be shattered or shaken. My kingdom is never going to stop growing. When someone puts their face to the plow and sets my eyes on heaven, man, everything they do, I'm going to go before and behind them. And he says, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to this baby. I mean, like when someone gives you the keys, uh, Lisa and Bert worked at, at our uh, detention facility here, and man, she's got all the keys. That means if she's got every door, she can open any door in that place, man, that means she's got power and authority, right? Man, if I just walk in there, they're going to, you know, frisk me and make me walk to the metal detector. I don't have any keys. I got no power and authority. But when he says, I'm leaving you all the keys to my kingdom, and when you go, advance. Man, every time Jesus says, I'm going to preach the kingdom of God for this reason I've come. And everywhere he went, demons fleed. Sickness was gone. The poor had their hearts open to the gospel and many people were running in to this thing because the kingdom of God is not a church. It's not a pastor. It's not a denomination. It's a logo. It's a people. It's a place in Christ and it's a power and authority. How many say amen to that? Aren't you glad? I'm not the kingdom. Sanctuary is not the kingdom. We alone are not the kingdom by ourselves. But the kingdom is a spiritual place. It's a people filled with power to advance the gospel until he comes. And he says, here's the keys to my store. Mind the business till I come. Do everything that, Samantha, do everything Mr. Clark would do. If a thief comes in, call the police. If someone tries to steal them, stop them. If, if someone's going to charge you this for that, that's the price. Ring it up in the register. Do everything like I would do it. He says, now behold, I've given you all authority for this. Go, make disciples. You've got the same authority I had on the earth. I'm leaving it with you. How many people, I mean, we need to believe that. You and I need to believe God has left kingdom authority with his church. He says, now mind the business. Second thing he gave you is, uh, the third thing he gave you is a spiritual anointing or gifts. Bible says he left gifts according to grace. But Romans 12, 6 says that you have to use them in proportion to your faith. He gives you gifts according to grace, but you've got to use them according to your faith. This is the application. You didn't, the, the servants didn't earn anything they received. One got five, one got two, one got one. And just like Peter said, what about this guy, Lord? He said, what is it to you what I do with this guy? You mind what I told you to do, right? It's not about comparing and contrasting. The one who gave five, the one who gave two, the one who gave one, that's God's ability. He can do whatever he wants. He's sovereign. But he says, but what are you going to do with what I gave you? Don't worry about what they're doing with what I gave them. What are you going to do with what I gave you? You may not can sing, you may not can preach, you may not can write poetry. I can't play football. Come on. I mean, there's a lot of things I can't do, and you can, things that you can do that I can't. And he says, but what are you doing with what I gave you? You will be responsible for you. I will not be bearing your responsibility on Judgment Day. You'll bear each of us our own. What did you do? By the grace of God you've been given, but what did you do with it by faith? Let me give you just three quick things that he gave. He gave ministerial gifts. That's things like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's ministerial gifts in Ephesians 4. He gave motivational gifts. These are like personality things that I believe you're born with, and he'll pull them out of you. Things like serving and teaching, encouraging, giving generously. Things like leadership, showing mercy, Paul says. Many, many more. The Bible doesn't list all of them. There are things that God has called you. Some of you are very generous people. That's God's gift. Some of you are very hospitable. That's God's gift. 
Uh, there are things inside of you. Then there's manifestational gifts, things that God does through the church, healings and miracles and prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom. Those are things that come upon you at different times to build up and edify the church. And He gives each of these however He wants. He's God. And we just say, God, you be God. But whatever you've given me, I want to exercise it in faith. Spurgeon said, you need to find your sphere. I love this because he says, if you look in the stars in the sky, some stars are big and bright, some are small, some are twinkling, some are blue, some are red. And God loves diversity. God loves, uh, He's not uniform. It's not everybody be the same. Look at how different types of people He made, and tall and short and hair and no hair. and You know what I mean? Come on. There's diversity. Some people are different. And he's got black and white and Latino. He's got a Chinese. He's got Indian. He's got all types of... God loves diversity. He doesn't want everybody to be the same. But what has he given to you? What's in your sphere? Well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That's a sphere. Some of you can write poetry, and some of you can speak in public, and some of you can uh, play an instrument and sing. Some of you are great servants. You're always thinking about other people. There are things that God has placed in your sphere... And you are responsible to do in that sphere what God has for you to do. You are a star in the sky. God has made you just like He wants you to be. And it's your responsibility to find out, God, what have you tailor-made for me? And what's my assigned ministry? I'm not, you're not here to be Pastor Heath, and I'm not here to be you. We're all here to be who God's made us to be. Secondly is, where's your interest? This is faithfulness. Where's your interest? Uh, I'm an only child. And I don't know if it shows, right? Uh, but from fifth grade to eighth grade, back in uh, these days, I won't say when, uh, my parents didn't fear the world like we do now. And I was entrusted to walk several blocks to school or from home from school by myself. And uh, don't tell CPS, but I was staying by myself. My mom and dad both worked. We weren't very rich. They both had to work a job. And so I was home, walked myself all the way. Never would do that today at fifth grade, let my kids walk. But I walked all the way home several blocks through the city and went to my house, unlocked the door, had a key to my house. And my parents entrusted me not to burn the house down uh, before they got home. How many parents know what it's like? When you leave your teenagers at home, you're not quite sure uh, the status of the house when you come back. But you know they really love you or they want something from you, right? Uh, I see some teenagers looking at each other. All right, when the house is cleaner, the dishes are done, the laundry's put up, and you walk in the door, you're like, what did you do? Right? What's wrong? How much money do you want? Right? Uh, if they really did it for love, you're just going to think, who's my kid? Where did you do with them? Right? Uh, but when God leaves this business to us, he will know how much you loved him by what you did with it when he comes back. He'll know the character. You see, Paul said, I was a faithful servant. I was, according to the grace of God given to me, he said, like a skillful master, I laid a foundation in 1 Corinthians 3.10. And in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians verse 10, he says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but it was the grace of God that was for me. What was Paul saying? God gave me grace to do what he's called me to do. And he gave me power and ability to do that. The kingdom authority, he gave it to me. But I worked hard. I labored. I struggled. It wasn't me doing it. I recognized this gift wasn't mine. The talents, five, two, or one. I didn't earn that. I received it by grace. But I went out there and I started multiplying it. I sold a field, bought a field. I traded, I bargained. I did this, I did that. I took a leap of faith. You know when you put money in the stock market, it's a risk. You might lose it all. It may not work out. But these people worked 
hard to take $600,000 or uh, $1.2 million and double it? That's no easy task. You need to be shrewd. Jesus loves shrewd. He loves faithful. He loves people who are, are hardworking, ingenuitive, willing to take a leap of faith. I'm telling you. He's wanting people to take leaps of faith. He looks at this servant and says, didn't you, you, weren't want, you didn't want to take a risk? You didn't want to do like I do? I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who when I go out, my kingdom never loses. My kingdom never decreases in interest. Everywhere I put my kingdom, demons flee. Sickness is healed. The poor are preached to. The blind's eyes are open. The deaf's ears are open. Kingdoms shaken. I gave a power to 120 people and the whole Roman government bowed its knees. Come on. We just sitting around here piddling church thinking we can just keep this kingdom to ourselves. This is the unshakable kingdom that the devil can't stop. Right? And he says, you didn't think if you had all keys and authority that you could lock up the devil buying the strong man that I paid the price for? You didn't think that I'm, this is the gospel that opens prisons doors when Paul and Silas are shaken and earthquakes open things and governors bow their knees and senators bow their knees and Caesars bow their knees. This is the kingdom of God. What did you do with it? I have purchased it for you, and we want to keep it all to ourselves because we're thinking we're going to lose it. Let me tell you something. If it's God's kingdom, Heath Harris can't injure it. Right? If it's God's kingdom, I can't hurt it. This is the unshakable kingdom of God. Men have burnt Bibles. They put us to the stake. There is governments in China and Russia and everywhere else have tried to stop this kingdom. Let me tell you something. This kingdom keeps on going. It's going to keep on going until Jesus comes. There's not no man, no demon in hell. Nothing can stop this kingdom. Man has got to get out of the way and let God be God. He says, you weren't willing to take a risk. Didn't you know this kingdom always is fruitful? This kingdom always explodes. You know, faith requires a risk. He loves the imaginative, hardworking, faith-filled servant. He says, this, this lazy servant was thinking, what if I lose what he gave me? I don't really want to take a risk. I don't have as much as them. He says, this is the Christian who hides their light under the bushel. They never talk about their faith to others. They profess a faith, but they've got no Christ-like works, like James 2 says. They don't have God's heart for the poor and the lost. They, don't, they may go to church, but they're not using their spiritual gifts to bless the church and grow it. They're not interested in advancing the kingdom. They're holding on to that simple thing. It's us four and no more. I'm saved, and I'm just waiting for God to come. And he says, that attitude is not the attitude of kingdom. I am looking for a servant that's willing to invest in my kingdom. He says, if you had cared at all, you would at least put it in the bank and been fruitful. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the question for that is, how do you engage? How do you engage? This is fruitfulness, number three. How do you engage? You know that Jesus will require more from you than what he gave you. That's what we're learning in this story. Jesus on Judgment Day will require more from you than what he gave you. He says, you didn't even have interest. One in the spirit, in the physical, you didn't even have an investment of interest. You didn't even put it in that, that savings CD that you don't even have to do anything. You just put it in a CD and interest compounds and it's there. You didn't, there was no risk in that. You didn't even have, you didn't even have interest. And I think about that in the, in the spiritual, the emotional. You didn't even have an interest. 
in investing in God's kingdom. You didn't have interest. You were not interested in advancing God's kingdom. He says, for this, throw this man out in the outer darkness, and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Fruitfulness. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And Paul says, each one is going to receive a reward according to your own labor. God is a pruning God. He's a fruitful God. He demands fruit. He demands fruitfulness. You are not saved by your, let me just be very clear, you are not saved by your works, but your works are evident of faith. Like you're saved by the grace of God. Each person was saved by the gift they received, five, two, or one. He says, I've given you this. You've not earned it, but I freely gave it. But now you're responsible for it. I can't earn God's unmerited favor. He gives it liberally how he wants. But I'm responsible for what I do to it. And what I do with it reveals how much I appreciate it in the first place. That's how much I love him for what he's given to me. I want to do this thing like God wants to do it. Live my life like God wants me to live it. So number one is, how can we do this? What do you do? Let me give you four very quick things, and then we're going to go. What am I producing for Christ? Am I a profitable servant? Am I fruitful? Number one is give. Jesus calls this investing in the bank. I think for me, this is the low risk. We're going to go from low risk to high risk, all right? And in the stock market, there's low risk investments and high risk investments. The lowest risk, he says, is give. You could have just put this in the bank. What's the bank? I believe the bank is when you come to faith and you believe, I still believe in tithing and giving tithes and offering. Tithe is my first 10% off my gross. I do that. I've done that since I was 16 years old because my parents taught me that if you put your money into God's kingdom, God's going to bless your money. I believe that tithing is biblical, both New Testament and Old Testament. It predates the law of Moses. It was Abraham, all right? And if you uh, put your very best, your first fruits into God's kingdom, God is sure to take care of your interest. He says, seek first my kingdom and everything else will be added to you. So I put my first fruit. He says, this is like the bank. I'm putting it into missionaries. I'm not doing the work, but I'm investing into missions. I'm investing into my local church, knowing that someone else is doing the work. doesn't cost me really anything. It wasn't my money to begin with. It's all God's money, by the way. And I'm trusting Him, and just low risk. If you're not tithing today, I'm not chastising you. I don't, I'm not telling you do, how to do it. I'm just saying, if you're not, your money's not blessed. I'm just being honest, biblically. And God wants to bless you, but He doesn't need your money. You need your money to be in God's kingdom so that you can be blessed of God. And He says, this is the, the low interest. This is a person who just says, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a missionary, but I can give to a missionary. That's low interest. You just put your money in the bank, God's going to increase the harvest. How many know what I'm saying? All right. Okay, number one, let's give. Number two is serve. Serve. Or sorry, number two is prayer. Number two is prayer. Prayer is learning to abide in Christ. Let me tell you something. The Pharisees prayed. It's not just about any kind of prayer. Religious people pray. Muslims pray. Buddhists pray. Okay, are you with me? This is abiding prayer. Abide in Christ. He says, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Me and my Father will come make our abode with you, our dwelling place with you. This is when Jesus says, I need you to learn how to pray, Father, not my will, but your will. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. He's saying pray kingdom-focused 
prayers. We can all pray our own will. God, I will that I would have that job. I will that my spouse would get over it. I will, I will that my kids, I, I will, God, that I would have a house with three acres. Or I will, that's my prayer. But when you come to abide in Christ, you leave everything else and you find yourself hidden and abandoned and open before Him. This is the, the Christ's first prayer. And I begin to share my heart. But when I emptied my heart out, God begins to download His will. I load a scripture and He says, I pray, God, they'd all be one as we are one. I know that's a prayer that Jesus prayed. I pray, God, that you would uh, preach the gospel with boldness. We know that's a prayer that is prayed in the Bible. I begin to pray scriptural prayers, aligning my prayers with the will of God. And as I align my prayers with the will of God, God shares his heart with me. And if I can begin to pray God's will in the name of Jesus, I know that prayer will be done. Because God always answers his son's prayers. Now, this has taken me many years to figure this out. I'm telling you something. I've been in church my whole life. But to learn what it means to pray according to the will of God is the secret for seeing God move in your life and in this church and in the community around us. Begin to pray kingdom-focused prayers. Not my will, Lord, but your will. And if you begin to pray God's will, there's nothing on earth, heaven nor hell, that can stop you. Pray kingdom prayers. That's also low risk, by the way. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Get up in the morning, 30 minutes early, pray. I challenge you, pray 30 minutes a day. See if you can do it. Number three is serve. Use your spiritual gifts to serve the church. This is the talents part. This is the medium risk. This is going to require something from you. Discovering who God has called you to be. Employ those gifts in building up the body of Christ. Edify the body. That means, God, who am I? What kind of star am I? What's my sphere? God, I can cook, so help me to use that gift. God, I can, I'm, I'm good with my hands and my mechanical. God, help me to use that gift. I can sing. I can play. I can write poetry. I can do these things. Whatever it is God has called you to do, I'm a single mom, and I'm doing this. God has a sphere for you, and he will give you all the power and grace you need to do exactly what he's called you to do. Find your, your place in the body of Christ. You don't know what that looks like? We've said it earlier many times here. Take our Connect course. We'll help you do that. That's serve. And lastly, this is the high-risk one, and that's tell. Oh, it's hard to tell. He says, go, preach the gospel. Say, so I'm not a preacher. Well, the word preach means tell. How many know you've got a testimony to tell? You may not have to have a sermon. That's fine. But you've got a testimony to tell. You've got something to share with somebody in your sphere. God may not call you to be a pastor or a missionary or evangelist, but in your sphere, he will give you the power. Here's what he said to his apostles. He says, before you go out there and start telling everyone, go pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to give you power. And you will have power to be witnesses here, there, and over yonder. That's the southern version of that verse, all right? Here, there, and over yonder. You will have power, and there will be nothing that can stop you. Signs and wonders are going to follow you, but go make disciples. And God is sure to resource his mission. Any Christian in their sphere, right? I'm not asking you to do things that are not your calling. You're not here to be Pastor Heath. I'm not here to be Pastor Craig. I'm not here to be Miss Evelyn. Everyone is to do what God has called you to do. But God will give you the power to tell people in your sphere. Some of you get nervous. You think, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk to the gospel. I don't know how to tell the gospel. I don't know verses like Pastor You don't have to. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll give you power to do everything in your sphere God wants you to do. How many believe that God will do that? Do you think he loves the lost enough 
to use you. He's used donkeys in the Bible, by the way. He can do anything He wants to do, right? He can give it. All you've got to do is say, God, I'm willing to go high risk. You've given me a talent. And Lord, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I'm going to talk to that coworker this week. Lord, I'm going to talk to that family member this week. God, I'm going to talk to that stranger when I feel prompted of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a high risk. I'm going to go on that missions trip. I'm going to step up and be a Sunday school teacher. I don't know what it is. God, in your sphere and your gifting, says, how many of you, you can bury it, you can low risk, put the money in the bank and let the church do the work and sit back and watch it? At least you did that. You can serve, kind of medium risk. Or you can say, God, I know that everywhere I trod, this kingdom will advance. God, you're going to open doors that no man can shut. And as we step out of our little comfort zones and just say, God, I'm willing to go tell somebody what you've done for me, I know, God, you're going to give me the words exactly to say, and that's high risk. That's high risk. But, you know, there's no reward unless you take some risk. It may not work. That's okay. Go to the next one. Try again. There's, there's no, the greater risk in the stock market gives the greatest reward. Sometimes we just need to up our risk value and say, God, I'm willing to, if you say, come, like Peter, call me to walk on the water, I'll come. He was willing to take a leap of faith and say, God, I'm going to do things that maybe I didn't think I could do, but if you call me, I will. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? You have a kingdom calling. And you are called to mind his business. Mind his business. What will your answer be on that day when he comes and calls each of his servants to give an account? Lord, you gave me five, and here I've brought you ten. Lord, you gave me two, and Lord, I've brought you four. Or will it say, God, you gave me this, but I hid it. I didn't even have any interest in letting other people use it, but I... I'm just here. Don't be that servant. We want to be a person who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. What a sad day if he says to you, depart from me. You prove you didn't appreciate what I gave you. You show me you never really loved me. We don't have any relationship. Church, this is serious stuff. We want to be kingdom lovers, to advance the gospel until he comes, to do with his kingdom what Jesus would be doing. It is not about building up Sanctuary Family Worship Center. It is not about having a social club of us four and no more and us getting all the glory. It is about souls being one into the kingdom. It is about Jesus reigning over Gina in this world and this community. It is about missions movement around the world, planting and establishing churches for his glory until he comes. That the whole world would see the glory of our King. Can we honestly say we're doing the same work Jesus would do if he was in our midst today? Come on, let's just be really, really honest. Jesus, am I living the life you would live? Am I doing in my sphere, Lord, what you would do in my sphere? God, am I handling the kingdom? with the keys and the responsibility like you would handle the kingdom through me. And we could all say, Lord, I have fallen short of the glory of God. And Lord, I come to you in grace and say, Lord, give me the power. Give me the ability. Like Paul said, I've, I'm willing to work hard, God. 
Give me the grace and power to do it. If you're here today and you